Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Ooh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Aww. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job but we'll retire by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hi, everyone. On today's episode of Retire There, we'll be chatting with Tim and Amy Rutherford, another nomadic couple. Unlike our previous episode about senior nomads living from Airbnb to Airbnb, the Rutherfords retired in their late 40s and live just about anywhere in terms of housing. They house sit as well as rent Airbnbs for one to three months, then off to a new location. They are part of the FIRE movement, which stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. Tim and Amy explain that they've been house sitting since 2015. They take care of the pets and homes of mostly strangers. There's no money paid in either direction. They sold their Colorado home and officially set up their domicile in Texas. The Rutherford state, if you're not going to have a home, it's not a bad idea to pick a tax advantage state. <laughs> Texas has no state income tax, which affect their investments. They set up an enhanced mail service that acts as their home address in the United States. In January 2020, their third child left the nest and they became full-time houseless nomads. In 2021, nearly 70% of their nights were spent house-sitting in places that included San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and San Miguel de Allende. In 2022, they booked sits in Spain, Edinburgh, and Puerto Vallarta. And each week, they shared their story on YouTube as go with less folks. That is the site. You want to learn anything and everything about these two and their adventures and their lifestyles and anything you want to learn. <laughs> and there's a lot to learn here. Go to go with less one word. Okay. So a little background about Amy and Tim. Jean? Amy was born and raised in East Brunswick, New Jersey. She attended Boston University and thereafter worked in business to business sales and then while living in New York City, she was employed by news organizations, including the Associated Press and Dow Jones. In 2001, Amy moved to the Denver area and retired from advertising at the age of 46. Wow, that's great. Now, she and her husband, Tim, publish a YouTube channel about early retirement, house-sitting, and travel hacking. Her interests include the performing arts, film, food, and travel. Amy says she's a natural yenta and matches people with like-minded friends all over the world. The goal of our Facebook group, she says, is getting people to meet in person, and it's working. 
I like the part about Yenta. Tim was born and raised in Kilgore, Texas. He attended Texas A&M for undergrad and the University of Denver for grad school. He sold and supported telecommunications infrastructure, worked for telecommunications equipment manufacturers like Nortel and 3Com. Tim also retired in his 40s. As to his interests, he spends hours a day following news about points and miles. The couple has nearly 30 active credit cards. He also is an avid fan of technology, phones, cameras, computers, gadgets, etc. Tim has three children from a previous marriage, and they're all in their 20s. Gil? So guys, thank you so much for joining Retire There. So you retired early, have three kids, and traveled all over the globe. We have many questions, and we will be including your YouTube channel, Go With Less, in the show notes for everyone to check out. So the first big question, you were both unemployed after you left your jobs. How did you handle health care in your 40s while you traveled all over? Okay, I will take this one. And some of it we learned after the fact. So we left our jobs, both of us, in 2015, and we needed to start our independent health care in January 1st of 2016. We lived in Colorado. We were on the ACA, the Affordable Care Act in Colorado, and had a great plan, 2016 and 2017. Terrific. We loved it. 2018 rolls around. Number one, our, our health care plan had stripped all of the doctors we had had for 15 years out of our plan that we loved. So we ended up signing up for the cheapest plan. That was fairly disastrous because also I couldn't. It was also an ACA plan in Colorado, but a no-name plan. Weren't able to make any appointments with any doctors. They weren't accepting. Even though they showed in the network, they weren't accepting new patients. Wow. So. Yes. And so uh, in January, uh, June of that same year, that would have been 2018, we decided to opt into what's called a health sharing ministries. And that was something called Liberty Health Shares. Now, just back up a teeny bit, six months, we learned after two years that our Colorado ACA did not cover us outside of Colorado. Oh, so the whole man. time, oh, we thought, yes, we thought that it was like our corporate health insurance. And if we went to other states in the U.S. that we would be covered, we learned two years into it that that wasn't true. So nice. we were thankful that we hadn't had uh, learned the hard way. We kind of learned by accident at renewal. And we subsequently learned that this seems to be a common feature of the ACA plans. We, we've heard that in some some instances, you're only covered in the county where you purchased your coverage. Right. So it's very wow. restrictive. So you mm-hmm. really, if you're interested in the ACA, you really need to understand uh, what, what you're signing up for when you get it. And it's really buyer beware. So mm-hmm. just because we assume we have it everywhere, we didn't. Mm-hmm. And even though we may have had coverage, we had no out-of-pocket maximum. And that's the problem. So people will say, well, you did have coverage. I said, well, if with no out-of-pocket maximum, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, uh, so then we started this health sharing ministries because A, in June of 2018, because we wanted to be able to pick our own doctors and we wanted coverage. We travel extensively. So we wanted coverage for the inside the U.S. because travel insurance didn't include us. They only, it only included us outside of the U.S. So we started with Liberty Health Shares with the ACA. We did them concurrently. So we were on another ACA plan in 2019 in Colorado. That was our last year in Colorado before we sold our home and became nomads. And then we were only on Liberty Health Shares only for 2020 because our intent was to be out of the country after we sold our home. And then COVID had us grounded. So that kind of messed things up. Well, now we are on what we hope is our good long-term plan. That's an expat plan with a company called IMG Global. It's affordable. We have options and our option includes us in all of the United States. So now we have true healthcare everywhere. And this is the first time I, I could say that since we retired seven years ago. Yeah, and two, two things about the IMG Global. Number one, the, the plan that we're signed up for requires that we're out of the country for six months, out of the, out of the United States for six months out of the year. Ah. And then mm-hmm. also something, if you are looking at some insurance that's not an ACA plan or, or corporate insurance, you're almost certainly going to have have to go through underwriting, which means you're going to have, if you have any pre-existing conditions, those are going to be excluded. And so like I had back surgery. 2016. 2016. And that's not covered with our current uh, IMG global back plan. Issues. Any, any back issues, right? So they, they want to exclude anything that, that, that they're aware of. But this I, is the question we're asked most from our yeah. viewers and from sure. people that we meet. This sure. is the question that takes up a lot of time. Yes. What to do. Yeah. 
And the reality is not it, it, the best answer is to leave the United States yeah, is, is the answer that we've come up with. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why a big reason why your podcast exists is because yeah. of all these international options for better health care. Yeah. Now, wow. we started the podcast, interestingly enough, within the U.S. because it was for selfish reasons. You know, we wanted to move. And even though we wanted to travel, it was mainly in the United States until we decided that lately we're probably going to have a home base here and travel abroad. But aside from that, I do want to ask you, the Liberty Health Chairs, what kind of costs are we talking about? Obviously, it's less than COBRA. <laughs> they were very nominal. So maybe, and they, they have increased several times. So somewhere, uh, maybe $300 for the couple. Uh, the, they, they, they have different words than yeah. normal insurance. So they don't call them premiums. They don't call them deductibles. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to call them premiums and deductibles because that's kind of the gist of it. Um, and our big problem with it was that they were very late paying any claims. And the... the wow. uh, and filing claims was so laborious that we didn't file claims. So because we had a very, like I said, our, our deductible is very reasonable is roughly $1,500 to $2,000 okay. a couple. So we didn't even have healthcare expenses that high. We decided just we'll, we'll file if we have some big whoppers mm. and thankfully they didn't come. So we never, so we just stopped filing because it was a hassle. We don't really okay. have any hor- horrible stories about our experience with Liberty Health Shares, but it something about it just didn't it, well, it isn't real insurance. And so mm-hmm. when they're regulated mm-hmm. in a different way, and, and mm-hmm. so they're, not they're not regulated. <laughs> no, they're not regulated. <laughs> so, okay. uh, and so they, they sort of, you know, make it up as they go, it seems. And um, so we wanted more traditional, we wanted insurance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, the fear uh, is always the catastrophic, right? I mean, I mean, for us, it's always, if we go off, what do we do? It's, it's that issue, unless you're outside the U.S. I learned something quickly on this show. I had always thought when you had international insurance, it only covered outside the U.S. I hadn't heard of a company that covered also the U.S. Is is IMG Global the only the only company you know of that does that? No, I think there are, so there are several. There are several. Oh, there are. And so and and I think all of them have similar requirements that you so you can buy a plan that only covers you when you're outside of the states, or you can buy a plan with a higher premium that covers you both when you're in the States and when you're out. But like ours has this requirement that you're out of the country for 180 days. Mm -hmm. The same thing I think is true of other providers as well. Okay. That's good to know that. Yeah. So you have to be out of the U.S. six months out of the year in order for that to work well or to work. (laughs) Okay. That's right. Okay. I have a question about fire. I know there are a lot of many versions of fire, at least nine, I believe. But the, the ones I've heard of are lean fire, fat fire, fart fire. Fart fire. That's <laughs> I don't know that one. I don't know that one. Oh, you don't know that one. What, <laughs> well, what are is that, lean fire? That's fu- your own. Is that your I'm own? I'm going to go with that's, fart fire. That is not my own. I read it, I read it <laughs> at least four different places I read it, I swear. I don't know what it is, though. Okay. But lean fire and fat fire, what are those? And, and what do you consider yourself in the fire movement? We'll be right back. Did you know that family travel has the incredible power to shape our children's worldview and create lasting memories? In a world where representation is often lacking, it's essential for our children to see themselves reflected in every aspect of life, including the stories we tell about travel. Introducing the Travel of Legacy podcast, where we're rewriting the script by celebrating the diverse voices of black and brown family travelers. Each episode of Travel of Legacy is a testament to the enriching power and the joy of exploration in black and brown communities. So journey with us and subscribe now. Okay, so lean fire. And here's the thing. There's not like, it's not the Webster's Dictionary of Fire. It's individuals creating these definitions. Right. So they're not exact. So fi- it just started with fire. And then it started having these little branches out of fire. So lean fire was, if you're spending $40,000 or less, you're lean fire. Fat fire has two definitions that are very different. One of them has been if you have uh, spending of over $100,000 a year, you're a fat fire or $2.5 million in invested assets. Oh. Now, Tim and I, so we say that we're lean fire spending, or at least we were because we've recently given ourselves a raise. So we were lean <laughs> fire spending on more fat fire assets. And so there's, so it, it's kind of, and there's, there's coast fire where people kind of, they've already saved for retirement. They just have a job to get them there's to barista retirement. Fire. Barista fire for your health insurance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. That's very cool. And you also then, 
allow yourself splurges, right? Even if oh, you're yeah. in lean fire. Okay. Yes. And I, and I think we're out of lean fire because we did give our, we were at $36,000 for several years. Mm -hmm. We're now at $48,000 with January 1st of 2022. We gave mm -hmm. ourselves a, a bump and raise because accommodations we find are, are more and, expensive. Now. And we don't spend with a traditional budget. It's not like we have a thousand dollars a month allocated to housing or anything like that. We just spend and we were naturally trending towards spending about $3,000 a month. That sort of worked out to $36,000 a year. And then we would track our spending. So we think that it's, it's very important to understand what you're spending, but we didn't have a traditional budget. And then this last year, we had a lot of, a lot of extraordinary expenses, as well as, as we're all hearing this inflation thing, it's impacting us as well, especially with housing when we do pay. And so we decided to give ourselves a raise because uh, using the 4% rule, which is something mm -hmm. your audience may or may not be yep. familiar with, uh, we, we have the ability to spend what we're looking to spend this year. We've just always spent way less than that. Okay. So you guys spent actually less than the 4%? Very way less. Wow. Way, way wow. less. Way wow. less. Okay. The, so same, the same principles that allowed us to retire early, spending less than we needed to, that we need uh, or that we had, it still is in our fire life. We're still very, very careful. And not only is it like that with our investments, it's also like that with our points and miles. We're frugal, period. That's how we mm -hmm. come. Mm -hmm. Not, mm -hmm. but, but as you said, we do have lots of splurges. So because we have a lot of zeros into our accommodations because of house sitting, mm -hmm. we splurge hard on food and dining. I like you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a former New Yorker. Uh -huh. We, I think we travel for the food. Tim and I are, are <laughs> food obsessed and we splurge all over the place all the time, several times a week on dining. Oh, wow. Okay. Can you walk our audience through your initial housing situation? So you lived in Colorado, but I read somewhere you also had a townhouse, right? And now you have a domicile. And then later in the show, we, we want to talk about Mexico, which you had um, mentioned as well. And I know that's a mouthful full, but I'll let you take it. When we decided to fire, we were living in a 6,000 square foot house. So not oh, all of that wow. was finished, but we had a giant house in Colorado. Huge. One of the things we realized is that that house was, we called it an albatross. It was just uh, all the expenses associated with the house were weighing us down. And we decided that if we were able to sell the house and get out of this huge uh, money pit, then that's really what allowed us to fire. So when we moved out of our giant house, we owned a townhome that I owned before Amy and I got married. Uh, we moved into that townhome, uh, which was about 1,500 square feet. Is that right? Wow. I always, I always get that square foot. But it's, it's, <laughs> and where in Colorado? Smaller, Parker, Colorado, which is a okay. southern Denver suburb. So we moved into this townhome and we were there for a while. And then once we decided to become nomadic, uh, we sold that and everything that we had left, we moved into a five by 10 storage unit. And so that's the only thing that we have left is a storage unit with the remainder of our belongings, which is uh, we don't have any furniture left. We don't have any, any no uh, lamps, no rugs. Yeah, yeah, no, we do like have that. art pieces. We have a lot of memento stuff mm, mm. That, that was hard to get rid of some clothes. And then uh, once we did that, we moved into the storage unit and we sold our house in January of 2020. And then we domiciled in Texas, which basically means we have a, a fancy mailing address mm -hmm. in Texas. And so ah. after the Patriot Act, you can't just have like a UPS box as your mailing yeah. address. You have to have a real address. And this is true for banking and a variety of other things. For whatever reasons, this particular facility in Texas, it's called the Escapees RV Club. Uh, they're designed predominantly to support people in RVs. We don't know what the percentage is, but we believe people like us represent a fairly small percentage of the people that work with them. It's mostly RV folks. People who have no address. It's people who have no address. If mm -hmm. you live in an RV, you don't have an address. And so this sure. is why they exist. And uh, they're not, not only they in Texas, I think they're in Florida and South Dakota as well. Okay. Um, places where there are low income tax places. And we have uh, driver's licenses, voter registration until November. November 2021, we had a car for almost two years registered there. Our, we have a blog that's registered there. So we had our Texas ACA was what we did uh, in 2021. So we have become, uh, Texas is, is our home <laughs> state. If we were going to have a home state, 
it's Texas. Right. The good and news is, is with being mm-hmm. domiciled, you don't have to be there. You don't have to own anything there. So that is all optional. Here's something kind of cool. Wow. I mean, I, I just went through this exercise. I went through this exercise two days ago. I got a jury duty summons. And so oh, uh, yeah. this is problematic if you aren't mm-hmm. in the States. And so the cool thing about this town where this escapees is, is that the town completely understands what's going on with this RVing community. When I said, I, I'm not going to be there, they're like, I want to be excused. One of the things on the list of reasons why you want to be is excused is I'm a member of the Escapees RV Club. That's oh, all man. I had to say. <laughs> oh, they excuse me from jury duty. This is, this is really big for me because yeah. I have been sequestered in a hotel with a guard outside of my door that for I jury duty. I was summoned oh to grand jury duty to show up oh. for a, uh, every Friday for a year. So I, I have had oh, the extreme man. of jury duty. So when I got called first, of course, so I've had uh, that they will have send out a warrant for my arrest if I don't show up for jury <laughs> duty. And I had a job that did not allow a lot of time off. So the fact that we could just check off, I'm a member Amazing. of the like, and we don't have to come back from from Thailand or or, right, or right. Indonesia or wherever yeah. to come do jury duty. That alone makes this RV escapees really worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm really curious about what makes you, Amy, somebody who would be picked so readily for a jury. Must I be would something. love to know that. You guys are in the legal profession, aren't you? <laughs> you yes, tell yes. me. <laughs> well, we always get out of it. I did. I did have to serve grand jury duty, though. I've always wanted to do it. I. I know, but the but they always they throw, find out you're a lawyer. They, they don't throw want you lawyer. off. Yeah. My when I was sequestered, it was in Manhattan. It was it was kind of cool. <laughs> yes. So now, what about the kids? Are they with you part of the time? So when you guys went houseless or homeless, where did the kids go? Yep, they're all independent in different ways. And so our oldest son uh, is currently at home with his mom. Our, our middle son is in school in Colorado, and our daughter is in school in Boston. So they're sort of okay. they're all wow. independent, living their own lives. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and since since I was pro- married previously. Um, my ex-wife has a home. Their grandparents are also in Colorado, so oh. they have lots lots of roofs that are available for, for <laughs> okay. them to sleep under. All right. So next question is, as I understand it, you house sit, so no more rent, no more mortgage or any housing costs. The other expenses, such as flights, meals and entertainment, they then come out of your investments, correct? Correct. Okay. Does that require a lot of transactions wherever you go? Well, they have 30 credit cards, so they, <laughs> oh, they have a lot true. of free flights. Yeah, yeah. Ta- Let's talk about the financial side of it. So okay. you use your credit cards, but you have your investments, right? Why don't you share That's with right. the audience how that works? And one, one quick thing also, we don't exclusively house it. So we're currently paying for lodging in Guadalajara, Mexico. So ah. we, we, okay. that, that's last year we did more than usual. About 70% of our nights were in house But there was a big reason. It was because we were kind of stuck with COVID in the expensive mm-hmm. United States and Airbnbs doubled in price. So we were just kind of waiting, waiting for the world to open up just like everybody else was. Well, now that the world is opening, up, we're paying for a lot more. And that was always the plan. The plan was about 50% house sits in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think we're we're moving more toward that as things hopefully kind of start to normalize a little bit. Okay. But uh, so, our, our investments are, are, are in kind of, we, we like them boring. So they're in ETFs and mutual funds, some bonds. We have no more real estate whatsoever. We do have some cash because we owned our townhouse outright. And when we mm-hmm. sold it, we actually were too uh, gun shy to put that into investments because of the timing. And sure, in the sure. meantime, the market just keeps going up. So we haven't had, so we, over our history though, we have had to make withdrawals. We've been retired for close to seven years. So we have, we do, we are withdrawing our, our nest egg. And that, that's a, quite a difference after a whole lifetime of saving to start withdrawing is a real mental shift. And even seven years later, it's it's not the it's not always so easy. We know that the math works, but it, it's again when you've been saving and you're you're, you're trying to, if you don't have any more income coming in mm-hmm. aside from uh, appreciating assets and investments. It definitely is is something to think of mentally. Why so many credit cards, Tim? Points and miles. It's all about the the points and miles. As a matter of fact, we just put together a video today. We just signed up for three new credit cards at the end of the year that are going to give us about $6,500 worth of value. Mm-hmm. And so just three credit cards are going to give us that much value because we'll have a Southwest Airlines companion pass uh, through this credit card sign up, and then we'll have uh, 125,000 American Express membership reward points. And so right. we keep signing up for them because the way that you get the most value from credit cards is with sign up bonuses. So mm-hmm. every time you sign up for something new, you get a ton of value. We won't sign up for a new credit card unless we get at least uh, $500 in net value in the first year of having the card. 
And so these three cards that we signed up for at the end of the year, obviously that $6,500 is a lot more than 500 or. Yeah, uh, that's nice. And but, so it's, uh, yeah. But does having so many credit cards lower your credit score? Absolutely oh, not. A good As question. a matter of fact, oh, it, pay uh, them all, right? it has the potential to, uh, yeah. so it's not just paying them off. Well, certainly paying them off is important. So we, yeah. we don't have any, so there's a, a debt to income ratio. So sort of the more credit cards you have, the more credit available you have to you. And so, now that impacts uh, your score because you want to keep that metric low in terms of how much debt you have against the available credit. That's one metric. Also, keeping credit cards open for a really long time increases a metric that's uh, the age of your credit. That's another metric that's important. I think a lot. Uh, when I was a kid, it's like if you if you don't have a if you have a credit card and you're not using it, you need to cut it up and just sort of get rid of it. Really, that's bad advice uh, with the current credit modeling uh-huh. because the longer you keep a credit line open, uh, the longer that metric is going to rise in terms of the age of your credit score. Mm-hmm. And so that's something you want to have. What's another reason to have the cards open? You get all kinds of perks from them. So we just uh, also did a video about we have uh, five cruises booked for about $5,000 total. Cool. Yeah. And this was just through credit card perks. We didn't use points and miles. So we actually okay. paid for the whole thing on our credit cards, not with points, not with free, some sort of free cash Promotion. instrument. Yeah. Still with all the, because of our credit cards, we had all, we have status matching. Mm-hmm. We have perks that like spend $1,500 on Royal Caribbean, get $400 wow. uh, on your statement, stuff like that. And so, so we find that having all these credit cards, it Tim thankfully does all the management of them and he he is very active. <laughs> I do all of our house sitting. He does all of our travel hacking. Uh, okay. So you're a spreadsheet king. I oh, love yeah. a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> I have so many. How do you find these house sitting gigs? And and how do the people trust you? That is such a good question. <laughs> I think that our entire lives are built upon trust. So you have to come with trust is number one. So for people who say I could never have someone in my home, then you probably shouldn't have a house sitter in your home or be a house sitter. So we come trusting. Somehow I was a New Yorker for, for many years, the very, very trusting person. But uh, there's a really... There's a <laughs> websites out there that are kind of like dating websites. Uh, and so it went, the biggest one in the world is called Trusted House Sitters. And there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sits, often in places where there are expats. You're not going to find a lot of them, for example, in like uh, Cambodia. There, they may If there's three a year, that would be like about right. So, but you're, but they're uh, in Paris or, or in France, there might be 400 of them a year. Wow. So, yeah. So we've had two fantastic uh, sits in France. We have, we just booked, uh, we have two, we have Edinburgh and uh, Oxford, uh, UK are coming up this summer. We have two sits in Sitges, Spain on the coast of Spain. Wow. And those are actually from our viewers, but we, so there, it's just a site and you have a whole profile that has pictures and mm-hmm. uh, ultimately reviews from other homeowners. They put up pictures of hopefully their home and their pets mm-hmm. and talk a little bit about what like selling their home and telling what the expectations are. It's really cool because when you have money out of the whole equation, it really is just, it's a really tight relationship. It can be, I mean, you're sleeping in their bed. You're often driving their car, sitting on their couch with their pets, mm-hmm. texting them photos every day. So it's a very different kind of a relationship. And we found very, very good friends with these homeowners over, <laughs> we've been doing it since we retired since yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. So it's a really special relationship based upon fully upon trust. And we go back over and over to several of these houses because we fall in love with the pets. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, that's great. Have, yeah. You ever had any problems with dogs or, or cats or any other animals? We've had all kinds of problems. So, so we, so I, I've said if a, if a cat or dog is lost or dies based on our negligence, we're likely never house sitting again. So we are <laughs> over, over careful about the pets in our care, the house in our care, more so than we were with our own pets in our own house, yeah. because we know how guilty we'd be. I mean, if there's uh, maybe like a, an unhoused broken pet that we weren't yeah. warned about, that would be about the worst of it. Um, and even so those are are always little teeny dogs. All the un- unhoused broken wow. dogs are always little ones. No the offense, good news is <laughs> they're, the, they're the worst, those little dogs. <laughs> oh, they are not. They are oh, not. When I used to run, yap, 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 yap. They run after right, they try right, to bite you. Know you. Big dogs are fine. You're going to have audience complaints. That's all fine. Right. <laughs> right. So I have to tell you, I looked at that website and I was amazed. So I'm looking at all of them and every one of them almost has a pet, which makes sense because if it's just plants, I guess, you can kind of use those slow drip systems to keep them alive. <laughs> uh, I was looking for plants, hopefully, because you know I love plants and I could live with them. Are there any that 
I guess they're all animals that you mainly take care of, right? There was one actually that I toyed with and it's in Burlington, Vermont, and that's chickens. So I think I could handle chicken feed. I wouldn't have to carry them, wash them or do anything like that. But um, yeah, Tim, you were saying something? Well, we, we've watched chickens as well, but I was going to say that so 99% plus probably of the sits that are available involve pets. The ones wow. that do not have pets are typically like in the Caribbean in hurricane season and you need to make sure the house doesn't blow down sort of things. Or, <laughs> so, however, or, maybe they, or maybe they have an extensive garden that needs hours of watering every day in the summertime for weeks. Mm. So there's usually, so usually there's a reason. I think that people should have a house that are anytime they go away yeah. because we have had circumstances that they, that thank goodness we were there. Uh, We've had a few of them. So we were in one house sit, all of the barn. We were just watching television. They had a lot of bathrooms. One of the bathrooms we'd never even entered. We heard this gushing and we rush out to the bathroom and the water's hitting the ceiling, clean water. A gasket broke. The feed line to the toilet had just given way and the water was just... We we weren't there. Their house would have been flooded. It was tens of thousands. And they were were gone for six weeks. So if someone was just caring for the outside animal, Animals, then that would have been a problem. And that, but we've had a couple of things like that where there was a bird that got loose in the house because <laughs> of the duct work. There was some problem that the duct had had a big, there was a big nest in the attic. It came out through the duct work, live bird in the house, stuff like that. Tim had to catch the bird. So stuff, there's stuff like that, that if you have a house, things happen. Imagine if like a kid threw accidentally like a ball or a rock yeah, in your window yeah. or a car kicked up a rock. Like you'd want to have someone like checking out your house more often than once every week or two. And that's that's what a house sitter does. And the fact that you don't, you don't pay them. I think this is one of the best deals in the universe. But you've never had to, uh, you never experienced anything where there was a dispute that the oh, no. parties couldn't handle. Right. I mean, not even all pretty. Okay. And I think things, things like that happen. We, we've never had that experience, but mm-hmm. the, Amy was a moderator in a large uh, house sitting forum and she's mm-hmm. heard every story imaginable about <laughs> mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And so crazy things do happen, but luckily I think part of the reason we haven't had crazy stuff is because Amy participated in that forum and sort of knows the right questions to ask and make sure we, we do a good job of vetting. Now, have you ever had a homeowner cancel at the last minute and then you get stuck? <laughs> 24 when we stopped counting over COVID. What? 24. Yeah. Yes. Oh. yes. And, e- and each house sit. Prior to COVID, zero. Prior to COVID okay. for five okay. years, zero. And then COVID, uh, we stopped counting at two dozen. But uh, but we were scheduled in Malaysia and Scotland and uh, France, France and all over the place. And of course, with COVID, that all changed. And then even after travel was safe, just flights are changing. So it's yes. just right. Yes. And so so this is all coinciding mm-hmm. with all these house sits canceling. We had a whole year, 2020. When we started, we started started as nomads in the first week of January, 2020. Mm-hmm. We had the entire year booked. Life, <gasps> everything. Oh my everything goodness. fell apart in uh, February because one of our sits was going to Japan. Starting in February, everything started canceling. And here we were as brand new nomads. It was a real lesson, very, very fast in nomadic mm-hmm. living. And mm-hmm. I think that it gave us like 10 years of nomad experiences in one or two. <laughs> and now we have a lot more flexibility. So the other maybe a month ago, we had a house that he was supposed to go to New Zealand. He's from there. From He's in uh, Palm Springs. He wrote us and said, they're quarantining. I, sorry, I'm not going to go. Mm. Um, and Tim and I said, eh, like literally, we didn't even blink. Two yeah. years ago, that would have sent us into a bit of a tailspin. He said, we'll just stay in delightful Guadalajara here. Like, no problem. And, and so we've come, uh, our arc has really, we're, we're not at the end because mm-hmm. we're really just getting going internationally now. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, yeah. We've so- had to become very flexible. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, and both of you probably have very similar outlook on travel, right? That you are able to kind of handle these last minute issues without having a a meltdown or like my anxiety would probably, we'd probably kill each other. We'd be dead by now. I think if you and I- Two years ago, we might've been. (laughs) Now, let me ask you, what are the best and worst financial lessons you've learned through this journey? I know there's a lot. Take your pick. Let's see. The best and worst. I'm going to say that the, maybe the best and worst lesson we have are sort of rolled into one. And this was this home ownership thing. So with our financial journey, that this the home that we bought, I think we paid a premium for it. We, we've never had a lot of luck with real estate. And by the way, I think we're an anomaly with people that fire so many people in, in the space. Real estate's a big part of their puzzle. Mm-hmm. 
for us, real estate, we've never made a lot of money with real estate ever. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't think we've ever made I've any never, money. Right. <laughs> really? Our, no, really? Our big house, when we sold it, I think we sold it basically for what we paid for it, but we had put fifty, a hundred thousand uh, dollars into mm-hmm. it. So at the end of the day, we actually lost money on that transaction. During so, a hot market. Yeah. So yeah. Oh my goodness. This, this big house, <laughs> we know. said it was going to be our forever home. This was the place mm-hmm. where we, we bought it with that being the intention that this was a place we we're going to be forever. I think through that process, we realized number one, that uh, we didn't need a big fancy home to have a life like we sure. wanted to have. Sure. And then number two, this is uh, from a financial standpoint, it just, it wasn't an investment for us. It was simply mm-hmm. a, a, a roof over our our head that, that we didn't we didn't appreciate as much as uh, maybe some other people do. But I, I think that was our, our best and worst lesson was our big fancy house. But it mm-hmm. gave us uh, experience of doing it. So we know that we don't have this American dream of a big McMansion. We did it. <laughs> we don't like it. We don't want it. Yeah. And I don't know that we'll ever own a home again. So we really like this <laughs> idea of freedom. So uh, core of the fire movement is freedom. Right. So freedom, period, not just freedom to go where you want to go and freedom to work or not to work, but freedom to be able to move around and maybe to move with where we're very driven by good weather. So we're the Goldilocks with like 60 to 90 degrees. We don't want to deviate outside of these. Mm. And and so not owning a home allows us to move with the weather, to move where our friends might be and and just to have that flexibility. And like Amy said, I may be repeating what she said, but the, the best being that it's if we never owned that home, we wouldn't know that we don't want to still have that in our life. So the That's fact true. that we had it in our life and now it's gone, it's like, well, we, we don't need to have that. We don't. We, yeah. So we might still be aspiring to that. We might still be working if we never had that big fancy home, yeah. thinking that that's what we really wanted. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give one too about the, uh, the, the one of the lessons is that we would always review our spending. So we would review our spending twice a year, every single dollar that we spent. And we wouldn't really do much about it because we both had good earning jobs, well-paid jobs. And we'd look at it. We, were, we didn't have debt outside of our mortgage. We had still plenty of savings, but we spent a lot. We spent $115,000 a year. Mm-hmm. We're now it about $40,000 a year is where we are now. Wow. And we're happier for it. But what we learned is that if we had known about this fire movement earlier, we would have been saving a lot more because it's really the, the key of, of earning and and saving, earning a lot and saving a lot are really paramount to, to having this, if you want to leave work early, the workforce yeah. early, that's really a, a big part of it. So had we not had so much spending, we would have had more savings and we would have, and had we known about this earlier, we would have done it earlier. It, we, yeah. I mean, it's the best of time of our lives since we- But I'll tell you, I think you guys learned at a really good time, despite, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've heard people in their thirties, but to me, your career teaches you a lot as well. So, you know, yeah. you went through that instead of just doing it at 25. I mean, there's so many groups that done all that, all the famous books the, and the, the Bogleheads, you know, and all those. Yeah. I mean, I learned actually later than you guys. We're in a good spot now, thank God. I'm actually going to handle my big rollover next week over to Vanguard because uh, I've been with them now for a short time. But for me, that was a learning, you know, it was a lesson well learned. But we're, I don't, I don't know that we'll be uh, doing any kind of firework anytime soon soon. No, let me we're ask too you, old so, for that. <laughs> we're too old for that? No, no, there's there's a group called um Fire After 50. And you know, and and they're they're still learning and I think it's never kind of too late if you're if you're stuck with no savings and your bad habits continue with you all through retirement and you're only living on social security, which many Americans are doing and will do. It's amazing. But let me ask you a, a couple of short questions first. Do you still have that storage unit? We do. So, so that's going to kind of stay with you. And, but it's small, you said, right? It's five by five or something? Five by 10. Five by oh, 10. Okay. Okay. And do you guys, as you travel throughout the country and the world, you don't purchase much, I assume, right? Uh-huh. Because, yeah. all right, because you went through that whole purging. You don't uh, have any well, place to put it. I will say that when we were in the US for two years, we had our SUV and we did accumulate. So uh-huh. the deal is, is what we have learned for us is that whatever our space is, we will be filling it. Whether it's a a 6,000 foot house, a five by 10 storage or an SUV or a suitcase, we will be filling it. So when we had our SUV, we went, we, all the stuff that we had gotten rid of, we bought. So we bought, we bought a a salad spinner and a yoga mat, weights and additional pairs of shoes Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, Tupperware (laughs) and all of that. uh, Well, necessities. 
Yeah, those are necessities. And then we go to all these places and just to make life a little better, we're like, well, we'll spend $20 on a bathroom scale or measuring cups or things like that. And then we had to give them all away again, uh, just in November. (laughs) I got to tell you, I keep getting that salad spinner and it takes so much (laughs) damn room. I know you've put so many of those. I know, because salads are wet. So, you know, you buy the stupid thing. We've given away two Instant Pots and I love Instant Pots. And we were traveling with an Instant, we gave away an Instant Pot. We accumulated another one. We to get rid of a second instant pot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're talking about instant pots. Do you cook much while you're in some? Oh yeah, house? we do. So we it depends. So 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 we carry. I can, I'm, we're we're big into cooking actually. So it depends upon how long we're here is really the answer. So if we're in a hotel. Probably not at all. So we try to find a decent space with a kitchen. Some are better than others. House sits, that's a really big, there's a, a lot of really good things for house sitting other than saving money, which is big. But one of them is that you live like a true local, like you're in the neighborhood with the pets, you're walking the pets, you're seeing the neighbors, they know you because they know the pets. So there's, a, a, as a matter of fact, some of our neighbors from a recent house that are coming to visit us in Guadalajara wow. next week. Yeah, so this is just the neighbors. Like we became <laughs> yeah. dear friends with them for life. But another one is, is a lot of the house have fabulous kitchens right and like our, our, our airbnbs have like the worst of the pots and pans in yeah. all yeah. of them yeah. the yeah. worst knives the worst like just stuff just to be cheap because people aren't going to take good care of it they're going to run right. things right. to the yeah. dishwasher but houses houses tend to have nice kitchens so right. yeah Into not all pots. of them but, but yeah. yeah everything so mm-hmm. better than we like like really so that's where we do a lot of cooking is when we're in the house mm-hmm. sit. okay and also they also have some so we bring some of the stuff but they maybe they have condiments so we don't we, like we don't have to buy every single all the sesame oil and mm-hmm. red chili paste and like every <laughs> single thing for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We don't have to buy that. We could just use a, da- a little dab of theirs. Where have you spent the longest amount of time during a house sit? Uh, actually, well, I had a major, I had major, major surgery in March of 2021. Oh, and yeah. then we get in a car, which was awful. Uh, I drove four days to Silver yeah. Spring, Maryland, which was right on the outskirts. It was a DC, Washington, DC suburb. Mm-hmm. So the good news is, is that we were there for three months and I was able to recover. I needed six full weeks to recover there. Uh, oh, wow. The car ride probably did some damage. Yeah. And then my parents lived there too. So it was really oh, nice as uh, nomads. I've never nice. lived anywhere near my parents as an adult. So, so we got to have a lot of quality time. I have two sets of parents. So I got to see both sets of parents actually okay. while we were out on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Uh, so that was three months. And that actually, so we're finding that like, we're here in Guadalajara for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two, I'm sorry, two months. Two months, feel that feels pretty good. So we feel like yeah. we live here. Yeah. So after, it takes about a month to really feel like this is home. Right. And so, so one to two months. Like, and so that, so if you leave it a month, which is fine and we do it, then you're kind of not really having that settled in feeling mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. But, and then, so the, it's really at the one to two months where you have your deeper friendships mm. and like you, you really have more of a routine and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're not rushing to get all your, your activities in. Right. And you don't have to worry then based on your timing about the visa issue, right? If you're oh, yeah. under 90 days, you don't have to keep applying for these other places and so forth. Well, it depends on where we are. So we're in uh, Europe next summer for 88 days. You're only allowed to get 90 days for, right. for all of the Schengen zone. We've right. counted, we're at 88 days. If we were allowed, we would have been there for an extra uh, cruise. Yeah. But uh, but no, we do still have to. So we don't have a long, we have three week, two week house sets back to back, like all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. They're not that long because we wanted to move around a little bit and experience more of Europe. Right, within the that visas, 90 day yeah, period. The, the visa okay. thing is, if it, yeah, if it weren't for visas, we, we visas affect, visas and the weather affect a lot yeah, of our life. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we're thinking that we're going to spend five months here, maybe six months there. So that might be an issue. So we're going to have to do a little more homework and make sure yeah. that, you know, it's easier to manage. It's going to be three months. Yeah. Well, we might do six months, months. Is six months in, in Mexico? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're thinking like six months somewhere in Europe. So we'll see. I mean, you know, we're not going to move anywhere where we need a retirement visa, at least not today. We're not quite there yet. Um, and here's what you could do is you could do three months in New York or wherever, three months in Europe, three months back out and then yes. three. Months. Yeah. Yeah. As long it's, as it's not consecutive. Exactly right. right. And I'm not, I haven't even been a big traveler, so we'll see what happens. You know, this is just <laughs> like pie in the sky right now. Uh, what about in terms of tracking your spending? Do you use any special apps that help you manage your travels and your budget? Yep. So we use, uh, I've been using Quicken since I was, I got out of college. So a long, long time, a lot of my okay. life. So we have a lot of data in Quicken. Uh, we also use Mint. 
which is an app. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a little travel app. So we have, for different reasons, we use all these different tools. And so mm-hmm. the nice thing about Quicken is it, I mean, it's a real database with real information. Any report you want about your spending is there, but it costs, I don't know, 50 bucks a year or something like that. The subscription is not, uh, it used to be, you could go years without renewing. They've changed the oh. model. I still like Quicken. It's a very robust app. Also, the nice thing is you can, if you spend on a credit card, all of that information is just okay. feeds into okay. the tool. Same thing's true of Mint. Uh, Mint is free. And so, uh, and I, I like Mint just to give us a quick glance at our numbers. It's it's mm-hmm. easy for that, specifically our spending. And we use a third app, our fourth app as well, personal capital we use for looking at our uh, investments. And so it does okay. a, a good job. It also will help you track your spending, but I don't like it for that. I like it for looking at investments. It's also a free app, but okay. uh, it's, it's okay. better for looking at that stuff. The uh, travel app Tim mentions is called Travel Spend, and we put in manually because we spend a lot of cash here in mm-hmm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, so we're not putting things like our health insurance in. Right. We're, like, how much does it cost for us to be in Guadalajara? Is mm-hmm. the is what we're wanting to, to mm-hmm. track. So we like to track. We love obviously we have forums. We love tracking things. We love spreadsheets. We love right. numbers. Right. <laughs> part of, it's part of what you do. I mean, you have. To. We love it, and yeah. it's part yeah. of how we got here. So this right. is who we are, and and both of us love it. So so we, mm-hmm. we love a spreadsheet and we talk about it. all the- Now, let me ask you, when you travel from house sit to house sit, are you traveling with the same luggage? Obviously, right? Yeah. Okay. Because we're so, not going back to a home. Right, so yeah. right. <laughs> So everything is in what? How many pieces of luggage do the two of you have? Well, currently, well, I'm just going to say what we, we we aspire. By the time we leave here, we will have a backpack each and a bag that we have to check, a suitcase that's like a medium-sized bag that we have to check. And that's and it. So we realized, and that's, that's the kind of bag, we had a similar set of baggage uh, before we came down to Mexico, but we had a carry-on and a little backpack. We realized that the carry-on wasn't going to be a size when we go to Europe that would be allowed for carry-on. So we oh. up our bag to have this medium-sized bag that's just, just going to go under. Anytime we get on a plane, our plan is to have to check back. I, I get bored with stuff. So I, I travel with too many clothes. And, he, and he, the reality is, is for two years, we were in a car able to have a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so here we are, even though we've been nomads for two years, where the the get it all in a piece of luggage is a different story. And we carry all kinds of gear for our videos, uh, lights right. and oh, yeah. tripods oh, sure, yeah. and cameras. So that takes up a, a sizable amount of space. But so I, I have a lot of clothes and I have no doubt that I'll be paring down. Well, maybe Tim will, but I'll be paring down. But it, it's a, I think it's a process. And, mm-hmm. and people uh, who have been doing it for a really, really long time who are at like carry on luggage, look at us with great judgment and it's a process and we're fine with it <laughs> week we went to texas we were for two nights we were in texas de- yeah. dealing with some business and we took just our little backpacks with us and it is quite liberating to have just that little amount of luggage so we basically had fresh underwear and, and <laughs> got to brush our teeth and that was it so for two days, for two days of travel i took four pairs of underwear <laughs> well just in case you know yeah. just in woman, case. you never know Plus, or period it was hot it was 90 degrees i take two showers Hours a day sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, COVID has definitely reduced our travel carry-ons and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like very little makeup. I've gone with no makeup these days. And, you know, used to have like makeup remover and mascara. Mm-hmm. All that's gone now. And I don't even care. That could be part Perfect. of getting old too. Who knows? Just wait till you um, retire. <laughs> she, she's well, retired. I reti- well, I retired two months ago. And oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Gene actually, well, we're going back and forth. He, to collect his full pension, which he has earned, it'll be in 2024. That's to me, that well, to me, that's a lifetime, you know, because I'm home now, and it's like, who am I playing with? And but I, you know, you have to get into a routine, right? If you're alone, it's a very different experience. It's yeah. I might do a podcast on just that. But wait, I forgot to ask you. So when you when you do travel, do you also look towards medical facilities, right? Wherever you house it, it could be in a rural area, you might not be near medical care, or do you generally choose places that are more I guess, accessible or urban? What's your plan like? I don't think that we pick it with medical care in mind, but we like urban. We like more urban to begin with. So we don't want to have to depend upon a car and urban is going to equal better medical facilities. So I think naturally just urban is the answer anyway for us to even taking out the medical picture. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's hundred percent fair. So I think something, I think some friends recently told us that uh, one of the things they do when they get to a place is they sort of seek out what's urgent care look like in this situation? How am I going to get there? We have 
haven't really done that. But we know that we should. You're young. Yeah, yeah. you're young. Yeah. Well, we've actually had medical issues. I had right. I had to go see a doctor in San Miguel when we first uh, showed up there mm-hmm. uh, back mm-hmm. in November, December. Mm-hmm. Actually, Tim had uh, almost New Year's Eve 2020. Tim had, was in debilitating pain in Scottsdale. It turned out he was rushed to uh, the urgent care. It turned out he had uh, his first bout of diverticulitis. Oh, my but goodness. At that point, yeah, at that point, we realized we need to know where the hospitals are because <laughs> yeah. when things go sideways yeah. you, and you're in a new place, yeah, you, you never don't know. have friends. You need to know this. Now, meanwhile, you would think that maybe we uh, learn from that lesson and now we know, no, but we don't. And so we, the, the, there's a lot going into this life because we're always planning yeah. where our yeah. next bed is. And it's not just our next bed. We're fully planned out through September, mid-September. Okay. Uh, so there, there's a lot of planning in this life. We love planning and you don't have to plan that far in advance. But mm-hmm. the idea is like, you really need to be very engaged to know where you're going to sleep. It is not just like a given, you know, where you're going to sleep if you have a home. Uh, yeah. I believe, and I, I, I may, this, I'm, I may be making this up, but I believe that a, a perk of our insurance is that they have like a concierge service. So if you ah, need to find nice. a doctor and nice. you're in a certain place, you can just pick up the phone and say, I need to find. We don't even know who to call. So that's yeah. So maybe, we, yeah. So yeah. I, I believe that's a feature of our, our insurance. Yeah. We're big Facebook users. So there's, yes. we're yes. engaged in a lot of uh, expat communities, wherever mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. That would be my first line. If I had, if I, if I, if it wasn't like an emergency where I needed an ambulance, yeah. I would probably be posting in some sort of, I, so I, we are very, very connected. It sounds like we're yes. complete nincompoops. <laughs> no. Those expat groups are helpful. When we started this podcast and we were running low on guests, this was at the very beginning, we learned and joined all these different Facebook groups. They respond right away. So many yeah. people because they're here to help each other, right? So it's yes, that yes. community of support, yes. which is- We're all about community. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Which is great. Gene. You briefly mentioned the car a little while ago. When you house it and someone has a car, are you allowed to use it? It depends. So but oftentimes a home will come with a car. So uh, we've had instances where it does and instances where it doesn't. If we're going to be in a, in a situation in, a, in an urban setting, we don't care. If right. we're going to be in a situation where we're isolated, it's important to us. We were in France in a rural situation two or three years ago that didn't have a car. And that was very isolating. So we wouldn't be signing up for a situation. And that wasn't even rural. That was kind of suburban. It was suburban. But yeah, so so it wasn't, there were no expats there. It wasn't that kind of a place. So it was just local people living their local lives. And we were, we were very, as Tim mentioned, with no car, we were really uh, isolated. So we, so not only do we know that we like cities, but uh, we also, we'd rather not drive if we don't have to. Right. But there's, yeah, so we, we'd like public transportation. We like walking. We like more densely uh, populated areas with uh, amenities and mm-hmm. grocery stores and things, mm-hmm. restaurants. Here's a useful tidbit. So when we sold our car in October? November. November. So we signed up for a type of insurance. It's called a non-owner policy. And so if you don't own a car anymore, logic would suggest you don't need insurance anymore. This non-owner policy provides us with liability coverage. So if we're in somebody else's car, we're in an accident and we harm someone, well, their insurance would probably cover the car. It might cover them or protect them, but it wouldn't necessarily protect us. So somebody could sue us if we hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. This non-owner policy provides us coverage whenever we are, uh, if we were to ever have an issue that we're this is in the United States. This is obviously Mm -hmm. only in the States. That's right. But that's great advice though. I didn't know about that. That's really good. Thank you. It also helps us if we're renting cars in the US because when you use the credit card insurance, that is collision. Mm -hmm. That's collision, but it's not, it shouldn't be liability. And liability is where the big bucks would be if you had a lawsuit. So we have liability through this non-owner policy. So at some point, will you guys look to not settle down, but have a home base? Can we talk about that? Of course, of course. Uh, so we are evolving. So one of my favorite places is San Miguel de Allende. As a matter of fact, we met Margaret from your show. In <laughs> we, we looked her up from the show and and, and oh, really? friends with from Margaret. Show? Yeah, yeah, oh, cool. yeah. Oh, so we do. So we, it, it would be unusual that we listen to one of your podcasts about a place <laughs> we were going and then go meet whoever that was if they're in town. <laughs> so we could be the, the reporter on the ground meeting the yeah. entire thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so we so we are open to it. But we're both in our young fifties. We think we'll be doing. Our 
are, are moving around every one, two plus months, maybe every, uh, for we think 10 years. The reality is we're incredibly adaptable and we change plans as we need. So I think that we do see that we might have maybe like four different think- places that we call home and not like a home like traditional people, mm-hmm. but like it's just a longer term. So maybe sure. in the future, mm-hmm. it just morphs into three months here, three months there. And it just, we stretch out our time. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we go, we play a game. It says, could we live here? So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's <laughs> a, we have this eye towards this wherever we are right. and sort of think about that wherever we are. Right. Like Amy said, I think uh, at some point in our, I don't know that we'll ever own a, a to have a single place where we just live ever again. We'll be, I think, mobile forever. And what you have said too, this is, we're looking far, we're big planners, really big mm-hmm. to the point where we're looking for our long-term care needs. Mm-hmm. And so now what we're looking at is Mexico for that. Okay. Uh, yes. This is a very affordable place. So we know the United States is very, very, very expensive for any kind of long-term care needs. We've looked into long-term care mm-hmm. insurance. It wasn't a fit for us. Our scope is Mexico. When we are ready to not be traveling, Mexico is the place where we're going to be settling. Okay. And we don't know where that would be yet because it's a place where we'd pretty much be like home a lot. But but some like someone having being like I have a full-time nurse or something like that at a significant savings than anything we would pay in the United States for less, uh, for not even we, a full-time uh, care. We had yeah. some friends in their 70s and we were visiting with them in San Miguel and they just purchased a place and it has a casita. This is, is a separate little home yeah. on the property. And we right? had this aha moment when we met with them and that they were basically saying that, well, we could have somebody to care for us, come and live in this casita, pay them a couple of thousand dollars a month and have phenomenal care here. Mm. Whereas at in the States, house. at our house, in the States, that could be 10,000, oh, I don't know. Easy. Easy, easy yeah. $10,000 a month yeah. to have that mm-hmm. sort of a care. Mm-hmm. You have nice weather in San Miguel. So so when they said that, we, we've been always wondering about this long-term care option. And that's part of why we spend so little of what we can is because we don't have, the, we don't know. So this really answered a question that we had, that's been nagging at us. It, Mexico, it's Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Um, we interviewed someone who actually, and I can't remember if it was Mexico because this person was up there in age, I'll say, compared to us. And he said that, we said, well, your family is back in the United States. What are your future plans? Because he had worked in what happens upon death, the whole notion of, well, am I going to be alone? Or And he was very calm and he said, well, I'm donating my body to the science studies up at this. It wasn't a university. It was somewhere in South America, I think. Okay. It was, uh, so it was an educational institution. Everything would be taken care of. And he was really organized. I mean, kind of like us, maybe not as much to the spreadsheets or credit cards, (laughs) but at the end of the day, it sounded like it's very calming to me. You know what I mean? It was something that you didn't have to worry about. It's one less thing to worry about. You know how some people say, I don't want to leave all this crap behind for our children to worry about. I want to make sure that everything is kind of in its home and we can continue to travel and enjoy and not worry. Right. So I, and when we were downsizing on our uh we did a video, we did videos on everything. We did a video about it and people would say, You're lucky children that don't have to deal with your stuff. Yeah. yeah. A household yeah. of stuff. So so it's it's and that's where our name Go with Less comes from. So yeah. the fact that we're traveling with a lot name. of stuff, it is really <laughs> only one piece of luggage. So the fact mm-hmm. that we're so extravagant and it's mm-hmm. one suitcase gives you some idea of where we are headspace. But we realized that like stuff is a is a problem. It's like mm-hmm. where and we have bigger houses for our stuff. We have yeah. to like yeah. and, and yeah. people say I I can't I can't do the nomad life because I have too much they'll, they'll say some version <laughs> of like I have too much stuff. This mm-hmm. stuff holds us back. And right. so the go with less our name our, our is I like love it. let free it. Yeah yeah it's, it's holding you, you got, down. It's good yeah. that you got that name and own it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree you, with you're probably too young but George Carlin had a great skit oh. about stuff. Yeah. If if you Oh, we know it. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. I agree with your philosophy where you said physical clutter equals mental clutter. I totally and I and I'm am on board with that. But as we speak, I mean you can see the room that we're in has a lot of clutter. We also <laughs> had a bit of a flood during Hurricane Ida back in September, where our basement it has to be redone. Let me just say that. And so everything had to come up from the basement. And our home is not more than maybe 15 to 1600 feet square feet well, that's so, without the basement yeah without the basement so we don't have a lot of space you know you get used to the space that you live in right now that the stuff from the basement is up here i am starting to get anxious again so i've been just getting rid of stuff but every time i go to salvation army i go ah okay one less bag one less bag <laughs> it, it's freeing it is yes. liberating it is liberating absolutely let's ask you guys
guys, what advice do you have for folks who like to follow in your footsteps or embark on a similar journey? What's your take? I think we have a few different kinds of journeys. So one of them is early retirement. And that first step is to track every single penny that you spend. Mm -hmm. It can be with a piece of paper and a pen or electronic tools, like Tim mentioned. We meet so many people who are ready to retire and they want our, like our blessing, and <laughs> which is crazy. And we'll say, how much do you spend? Like what, what's your spending? And over and over people say, and are so many videos that they say, you have to do this. This is the first thing they watch yeah. our videos and they don't know. And they say, no. well, here's how much I earn. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with how much <laughs> I spend. So, so it, it's shocking actually how yeah. few people who are in this space who want to right. retire. So we have this idea uh, that, that is very strong that if you don't know what you spend, you cannot retire without, with, with security of knowing you're okay. Because even if you, if you spend a million dollars a year, you, you, you might have, you might have $30 million a year, but if you're spending a million dollars a year, you like that, that might not yeah. work for you. $30 million a year. I'm sorry. That, that that you, you, <laughs> I'm sorry. You might, so yeah. you need to know what your spending is because you can still, that's why celebrities go bankrupt. And we've had, we've seen friends who've, who've had situations where you need to know your spending. So that's one. If you're interested in being a house sitter, the very, we have videos on how to start with that. But one of them is start with local reviews. So uh, it's really hard when you mentioned like you just want the plants. Well, guess what? You're not the only person who doesn't want <laughs> the responsibility of pets. So if you were just going to go into some like, oh, we're in Paris watering plants. Well, those are going to be really, really popular. So you do, <laughs> you do some local sits that are like real quickie little weekend guys to get reviews. And so that's, that would be one way to start. Uh, a way to start with a credit, with all these credit card points and would be to start with like a really killer card, like a Chase Sapphire Preferred might be a low entry price point with some nice little perks. As far as the nomad life is get rid of your stuff. So instead of like expanding your space as you make more money and shrink it down, because as we mentioned on today's podcast, we have expanded to fill our space. We're not the only ones. So have your space be smaller. If your basement was out of commission, you would give away your stuff and you'd have less stuff. If your basement's back in commission, more stuff. And we have the same thing. This is us too. We're not judging. We have the same thing. So have less, less space equals less stuff. And we're, we're not tiny home people either. There's some, there's some middle ground. We're in a two bedroom, two bathroom. Now this feels really nice. The two bedroom is actually where we just keep our stuff. It's like a closet. And then everything else is super minimal around the house here. All right. Anything from you, Tim? Amy covers it all. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I have one more question. So you guys had mentioned Mexico, and I remember in our emails that you had mentioned residency. Can you guys share with us what your thoughts are on that and what the, where in the process you are? Sure. So typically when you come into Mexico, you get what is known as a, uh, a visa on entry, and they give you 180 days to be in the country, uh, which is fine for most people. And then also, if you were if you just wanted to reset that 180 days, all you had to do in the past was simply leave the country, come right back in, and you have another 180 days. Well, they started tightening down on this. We've heard that people will come in saying, I'm going to be here for three months, and they give them at, at, on entry, they'll give them two weeks. Even with a flight booked home Even with three a months later. Home. Oh, wow. And so that's obviously problematic. And so when you leave the country, if you have overstayed your visa, we've heard anything from no big deal, just get on the plane and leave, to there's a fine, $30 or something like that. That something like that to we're going to lock you up in detention for multiple days. We're let you back. And, and so like, all over the place. Oh never God. allowed into Mexico again. So there's a wide range of what might happen. And this all and, just changed at the end of 2020. Right there, yeah. And so, uh, so, so this obviously set us in, the, in our wheels into motion. What, what would it mean to become a resident? And so there are some parameters when it comes to being a resident. Uh, there's one, um, if you're of traditional retirement age and you have a pension, it's that's it, over a certain amount. And I don't know what the exact numbers are. It's mm. not a problem at all to become a resident. If you have a certain number of assets in your traditional requirement age, it's no problem to become a resident. Okay. So for us being a little younger, 
it's a little bit more challenging in terms of we don't have traditional retirement income. We have a, enough assets that would meet the qualifications. Mm-hmm. But each of the consulates, in, to start this process of becoming a resident of Mexico, you have to be outside of Mexico. And so if you're Canadian, you can come into the States and go to a Mexican consulate in the States and, and vice versa. We could go to Canada. As far as we understand. As far as we understand. Yeah, we're not experts. All we know is you have to yeah, be outside of Mexico. We've had lots and lots of conversations with a variety of people. We've been told anything from, I'm sorry. We, we hired a lawyer. Oh. <laughs> so, so there's <laughs> Amy's like, we hired a lawyer. <laughs> so every consulate you go to seems to have different rules and how oh. they're implemented, whether that, so, Dang. and also it's not only is, is the consulate have different rules, but the people that you interact with at the consulate seem to have different rules. Oh my, God. Oh my goodness. As a matter of fact, when we went to Texas, we decided we wanted to try and get permanent residency because once you have permanent residency, you have it forever. You don't have right. to renew it. You just mm. simply have it is our nice, understanding. Nice. That's good to know. With, with temporary residency, you you get it and you pay a fee. And then in a year, you have to renew it again. You have to be here during that renewal period. And then I think the three years the later, three years you, later do it again. you have to do it again. So it's sort we of- We don't that, know that we'll be here for sure. That's right. That month. Yeah, so we sure. don't know that exactly when we're going to mm-hmm. be in Mexico. So mm-hmm. we wanted to try to have this permanent residency. So we decided to make this trip to Texas to become permanent residents of Mexico. And we had a lawyer sort of coach us through the right consulates to go to, ones that mm-hmm. understand our circumstances are going to be easier for us to work with. The right documentation to bring with us. That's right. And we're in the middle of this right now. We're in the middle of it. That's exactly right. And just in in the price point, the current price point, and this includes the lawyer fee and everything for us to have permanent residence, it's about $600 each. And that includes the fees that we pay here in Mexico. Very reasonable. I was just going to ask. Yeah. It's very Mm -hmm. reasonable. It's worth Um, every penny. But where this is, so where the United States, we can't be in the States for more than six months with our insurance, where we can't be in Europe for more than 90 days because of Schengen. And yeah. now we've just kind of come, we're in still not all the way on the other side of COVID, but like we need a safe haven home. Yes. So even though yes. so we listened to many of your episodes, we know a lot of people are expats. Mm-hmm. So we look at Mexico with, with once we are approved as our, almost our home country. Sure. So it is our sure. long-term plan. We come back over and over and over again. We love it here. So that, that'll allows us to come mm. back for house sits to have long-term Airbnbs without being worried that we're going to be turned away with two weeks when we have a, yeah. a two-month house sit booked. Yeah. And I think it's also, it just gives us options is really what yeah. Oh, I think it's helpful. wonderful that you guys yeah. did that. I mean, it's also yeah. such an affordable place. There's the medical. The culture, the food, yeah, the, the, culture, the, the weather. people, And the proximity also. Yes. You know, depending on where you are, the yeah. proximity to the rest of the world. It, it's just all around yes. a wonderful idea. Yes. Okay. It is the time zone is great. So yeah, yes. we, we love Mexico. We're really happy that this will be our, our safe haven country. So working through the process, we would absolutely encourage somebody to work with some facilitator, preferably a lawyer. So we mm-hmm. we had interacted with a variety of facilitators. Some of them are just people that happen to speak Spanish and understand sort of what's going on. We Bruce gave us a lot of advice. Yeah, we started with one facilitator who's like, I've never worked with anybody who's younger trying to get permanent residency. And she sort of uh, was seemingly, she was sending us down the wrong path, whereas the lawyer sort of helped us go down the right path. So um, that's when the Facebook groups are really helpful. You know, if you get a name mentioned like three, four times, bingo. Yeah, and that's exactly, exactly. Yeah. a local friend here. Uh, one of our viewers is who turned us on to our lawyer. Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, helps all the viewers for that out. lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks again, guys, for spending all this time with us and all this valuable info. Let's stay in touch. Yeah, and Tim and Amy Rutherford's YouTube channel is Go With Less. Check Check it out. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retire there underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.